trigger warning, this podcast episode contains details of emotional abuse, physical abuse, alcoholism, and drug addiction. Welcome back to Emotional Abuse is Real. I'm your host, Serene Leeds, and I'm so glad you're here. As always, before we get started, I just want to thank everyone who has listened, subscribed, rated, and reviewed this podcast so far. This is a one-woman production, so every single one of you is so appreciated. And on that note, here's a quick reminder to please follow me on Instagram at SereneLeadsWrites. That's S-A-R-E-N-E-L-E-E-D-S-W-R-I-T-E-S. And on Twitter at Serene Leeds, S-A-R-E-N-E-L-E-E-D-S. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to this podcast, as well as take a moment to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. I'd also like to request that you share this podcast with your own social media networks or just with anyone you think might benefit from listening to these stories. We are a small but mighty audience, and every download, subscription, rating, review, and share helps this podcast reach more people every day. And speaking of that small but mighty audience, I'm thrilled to say that today's episode has us returning to an interview format, all because my podcast found its way to an emotional abuse survivor based in Colorado, and she reached out to me to chat. Betty Jo Greenlee is a mom of three and a certified life coach who had, in her words, a Pinterest perfect life on the outside, but an emotionally abusive one behind closed doors. She has taken her own experience, however, and learned to pay it forward. As a life coach, she works with clients in toxic relationships as an accountability partner and as a supportive figure who understands their predicaments firsthand. I am so grateful to Betty Jo for being so transparent with me and for giving me the opportunity to share her story with all of you. Finally, I just wanted to say that I understand that the content on this podcast may be difficult for many of you. I've spoken to several people who want to listen to this podcast and who do want to share their stories, but they just don't feel ready to do either yet. I'm here to tell you that I completely understand your decision. Really, I, I get it. As I've done on previous episodes, I am more than happy to narrate your story if you don't feel comfortable appearing on the podcast. Also, please know that it's taken me nearly a decade after my own emotional abuse experience to be able to talk about it so openly. I'm always happy to chat with you over Instagram DM or via email. I'm at Serene Leads Rights on Instagram and hello at sereneleads.com if you want to shoot me an email. Anyway, without further ado, here's my conversation with Betty Jo Greenlee. My name is Betty Jo Greenlee. Um, I am a mom of three adult kids, uh -huh. and I 
I am a life coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I don't know, I'm a, a survivor of mm-hmm. emotional abuse and right. so happy to be here. <laughs> oh, I'm so touched to hear that. Um, we, I definitely am going to ask you about your career as a life coach, but to get started, um, I would love to hear your emotional abuse story. So I was married for 23 years Mm -hmm. and the man I was married to was an addict. Um, He was an alcoholic, Mm -hmm. but he was also very emotionally abusive and physically abusive. Sorry. And I really didn't notice it until... Uh, I guess later on, it just got progressively worse as the years went by. And um, one, a lot of people think, you know, what took you so long to leave? And in all honesty, I don't really think I had the tools or the, the, the right steps within me to leave until I was ready, honestly. Mm -hmm. And so, um, once I finally got those tools and the, you know, the stars aligned finally, (laughs) then I knew it was time to go, but it was specifically one morning I woke up and it was like an audible, audible voice. It was just a different morning. I woke up and a voice told me, you know what? You're a mom. And you're a role model for your kids. And you would never want them to stay in a relationship like the one you're in. And it's time to change. You need to quit waiting for your husband to change because he's not going to. And it's time for you to do the work and change. And so I didn't know what that meant. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but I just started looking online. I started searching and I found a life coach Mm -hmm. and she had been, she had gone through many similar things that I had gone through and going through, I went, um, I did, uh, life coaching on, it was all audible. It was all very, um, oh, I guess you would say, uh, confidential. Mm-hmm. So that was the most important is that it was confidential because the, the person I was with was not safe. If he would have known I would, was doing any type of self-help like that, it would have not been safe for me. Sure. So that was mo- the most important thing is that it was confidential for me. And I was getting those tools that I needed so I could get the ammunition or the strength to leave. And um, it took some time for me to kind of embrace that, those steps of, okay, it is time for me to leave. I wasn't just ready to leave the first day I decided to make changes. It was, uh, it was a process. Mm-hmm. And um But as I went through that process, the more I went through it, the more I realized what I was in was unhealthy for me and for my kids. Mm -hmm. And then I 
I discovered he was also emotionally abusive, not just Mm -hmm. the the addiction, the emotional abuse. And I didn't even know, I'm going to throw the word out there, a narcissist. I didn't even know what it, yes, (laughs) I know, I know it's kind of the, 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 um, buzzword, but, um, you have to bring it up. I bring it up. Other survivors (laughs) bring it up because it's so common. Yes. And I didn't even know what a narcissist was. Mm -hmm. And so once I found out, okay, I had gone through the whole process of, um, just what, people go through in addiction. Mm -hmm. And then I found out an alcoholism. And once I found out he was also a narcissist, it was kind of like the check, check the box. I, I'm never going to be able to fix this, handle this. I wasn't meant to fix this, but (laughs) (laughs) right. You can't fix it. You can't fix somebody, but um, it just, it finally was the nail in the coffin that this is, he's not going to change. Mm-hmm. He is, he's not ever going to get help for his alcoholism because he's not going to be able to, um, wrap his head around, uh, the steps it's going to take to get better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's when, when I finally found all those, um, just uncovered that, and found out kind of the the t- t- tricks and little conniving things that they do. It was like he was the t- the textbook overt narcissist, and it and it just once I discovered that, I knew it was time for me to leave. Yeah. Um, can you um, say give some examples of some of the emotional abuse tactics that you realized? Mm, very, um, he would wait like in, in front of our friends and family and groups. Um, and he was very, uh, charismatic and Mm -hmm. charming Mm -hmm. and everything was perfect on the outside. I mean, we had the nice house and the cars and, you know, everything was put together. He had, you know, a good job and he can climb that corporate ladder because he was one of those, you know, great employees and a lot of narcissists are. Yes, they (laughs) are. They do climb the ladder easily. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, on the outside, we looked Pinterest perfect, but behind Mm -hmm. closed doors, it was a lot of, um, Oh, just verbal attacks and, mm-hmm. you know, when no one was around mm-hmm. and it was mostly, it, I was the target <clears throat> mostly. Mm-hmm. My kids were at sometimes too, but it was usually me. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you talk a lot about the tools that you needed to, to learn. What were some of those tools? So the I would say um, just some of the cycles they go through and their tactics they use, like like um, waiting, kind of cornering you and making sure that you're the only one hearing these awful things that they have to say, <laughs> 
right? They um, sometimes he would do it in a group, but it was more like, "Oh, I'm just joking." That's kind of a really oh, yeah, yeah. It's oh yes. It's, they'll say something really hateful and mean, but then everybody has that shock and they have that look on their face. And it's like, oh, I'm just kidding. I didn't mean that. Yes. Learn you know? to take and a joke. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Or, or the, um, I guess it would be if there was any type of anger that was publicly displayed, mm-hmm. then there isn't always an excuse behind it. Like I lost, I lost my cool. I'm throwing things. I'm having a fit, but it's because I'm so stressed out and you guys are all making me stressed out because I'm working so hard for you. And it was always, there was no personal responsibility mm-hmm. in any of it. Oh um, yes. It was always, that. Yeah. It was always, I am acting this way, but it's because you are causing it. And whoever you was, you know, there was always a reason, right? Never any personal accountability. Yeah, I see that that's a pattern so much. I try to make sure that I word this carefully because I am not a mental health professional. I'm just talking about what I see in my observations as a journalist and as a survivor. Everything that you talk about I recognize from the experience that I talk about with my boss because my, I had my, my therapist had to tell me that he was a narcissist and I was like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So what ended up happening with your ex-husband? So I was kind of waiting for the perfect opportunity to leave Um, because I knew if I just went out the door, it was, it was going to be, I didn't feel safe just leaving. So I I had to come up with a safety plan. Of course. Of course. And I, same thing, didn't know what a safety plan was, but because I had the right tools, I figured out I had a plan. I couldn't get manipulated back to coming Mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. And I knew that's what I really needed is a plan so that I didn't have to come back. And so what ended up happening is I just waited for him to basically get himself in trouble because I knew his patterns and I knew eventually he would get in a spot where his anger would get him in a place and his alcoholism would get him in a place where he would get in trouble with the law. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened is one day he got some disturbing news Mm-hmm. And he decided to leave. Mm-hmm. And I knew exactly what that meant. Because um, his pattern was, I'm going to go drown my sorrows. <laughs> so yeah. he um, ended up leaving in um, my two sons went to go find him. Wow. And I, I told them, I said, I don't think that's a good idea. But my oldest son was, he said, no, it's okay. I, I, I got it. And he ended up finding him in a remote area. Um, and he confronted him mm-hmm. and, um, my husband actually attacked him, like oh. came after him. And my son called me and said, I can't hold him back anymore. And I said, do what you have to do. 
Yeah. And so yeah, 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 after yeah. after my son basically beat the crap out of him and beat him down and got him like under control, sure. the police showed up and hauled him off. But that was the perfect opportunity for me to put a um, restraining order on him for me and my kids. Good. And also um, do no contact, uh, a restraining order and no contact. And for, um, I don't know, four or five months, I had no contact with him. Okay. And it was, you know, court ordered. So that made it even easier for me to set up all, I did my divorce all by myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't hire a lawyer. Wow. Good for you. And so, yeah, it was a long haul, but, um, yeah. having, I, I knew I needed that no contact for him to actually honor and stay away from me because yes. his, he had no boundaries and most narcissists mm-hmm. don't. No, they don't. And so. I knew I, for me to kind of gain my strength and my courage up, I needed that no contact and be very, very, um, adhere to it. Just not so, not just for him, but also for me. Sure. If that makes sense. Cause yeah, you, no. you get, you get addicted to always fixing things and you get it, you get addicted to being codependent. Yes. Uh, making them feel better, trying to fix it, trying to um, arrange so that everything looks normal and covered up and everything looks happy and healthy. And it's not. <laughs> it's not. I am so glad to hear that you got the no contact rule because, okay, how do I say this without identifying anybody? I know a situation that is toxic, but there's never been any separation. And because there's never been any separation, the vicious cycle remains. I guess that's really the best way for me to say this. And so I applaud you for seizing the opportunity. Um, so, So does that mean that you were able to stay in the family home and you didn't have to find a new place to live? Right. I oh, got to wonderful. stay. I got to stay in the home and um and then um it was about a year before our divorce was final. Sure, sure. And then um after about a year and a half of our mm-hmm. divorce being final, um yeah. I got a call from my son <clears throat> and he said they found dad out in the mountains and Mm -hmm. he has overdosed on meth. Mm. He had been missing for a week and I didn't know about it because I had no contact and I kind of just separated myself from him. And my kids were, the amazing thing is my kids were also very, because they saw me take the steps in no contact and, and set those boundaries yeah. They felt very strong in setting the same boundaries. You set a great so, example. Yes. It was definitely that role model um, experience. And I could see it in them as I got stronger, they got stronger. That's wonderful. And 
but back to them finding out, you know, yeah. and me finding out that he passed away. Yeah. This may sound strange and maybe, um, but we were, we were all expecting it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that doesn't sound strange at all. At least not at, to me. We weren't expecting it as soon as it happened, but we, mm-hmm. we knew that eventually though there would be some type of self-destruction. Sure. Sure. I get that. So, yeah. And in, in all reality, we all felt peaceful, mm-hmm. finally, finally at peace because we knew he was, he wasn't able to conjure up any plans or schemes or crazy <laughs> that would happen. And, but also that he was finally at peace with, Mm -hmm. with himself, because I don't think, I don't think they are happy. Narcissists are not happy people. No, no. And they are not at peace with themselves or with anybody. No. And unless they really do seek professional help, Mm -hmm. which. They usually don't. Yes. And so, yeah, um, my kids, I, I, you know, once it happened, I was really good about checking in with them and making sure that they were okay and, you know, offering them any type of help they needed, but really it was more of a relief that they weren't in the middle of just the toxic, crazy yeah. That was always happening. Yeah. Uh, I feel that so hard. Um, I'm I'm happy for you and your kids that you don't have that weighing on you anymore. And and how are your kids doing now? They're doing great. Wonderful. Yeah, they they Wonderful. all are very um so I did carry a lot of guilt. Sure. Um, because I thought, you know. Being being a mom, yeah, it was like it, some of the questions that came in my head is if I had only left sooner, their lives would have been better. If I had only you know done dot dot dot, it yeah, would have been so much that. better. Sure. And, but in all reality, I know we all went through this for a reason. Mm-hmm. And if anything, it has made my kids stronger adults, and they can. They can smell toxic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they, they know how to handle certain personalities mm-hmm. and situations. And it has just made them strong, amazing adults. I'm so happy to hear that. From there, on to the healing. Um, so I'd love to hear about um, how you got into life coaching and uh how long your business has been in existence and yeah. And just please tell me about what you do as, as a, you know, a way of healing from your personal experience. So because I did find that life coach that she walked me through the things that um, exactly what I needed. Yeah. Um, Because I had tried many self-help. I tried counseling. I had tried, you know, personal development 
you know, books and different things. I am a junkie when it comes to that. (laughs) And this seemed to be the only thing that really sunk in. And I don't know why, but it, Mm. it was, I think it was the accountability. It sure. The life coaching I got made me accountable for, and then made me move on to the next step. And so because it was such a um, key to my healing, I knew, I knew without a shadow of a doubt, that's what I was, that's what I needed to do. Yeah. Is step into that, that role of, you know, being an accountable partner with those that just need more than counseling or that extra, that extra step. Mm -hmm. And so I went, so I went to school and I got certified Mm -hmm. and, um, I would Did you get certification from? So HCI, so Health and Life Coach um, Institute. Okay. And I would say my, my clients, you, you attract the clients (laughs) that have gone through many of the same things that you've gone through. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my clients have been in toxic relationships and have been, have, are, or have struggled with self-confidence or being able to speak up for themselves and just very gently walking them through that process of wherever they're at, whatever they need. Um, I coach them where they're at. And that's, what's amazing about that is right where they need to be. um, Right where they are is right where they need to be. Yeah. And so um, that has been um, just a really amazing journey because a lot of the things I coach my clients on is the very thing I need to hear too. Sure, <laughs> so. sure. Oh, I've I I've always said that the best way you can learn something is by teaching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, so with that, um, am I done healing? Absolutely not. <laughs> oh no. I don't even think and I am I done that. learning? Right. And, 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 and am I done learning? No, because there's all types of toxic people out there, right? Yeah. You're going to yeah. have bosses or friends or family members or whoever just seems to stumble across your path. And, and they sometimes come in different packages and with mm-hmm. different, different tactics, but it's, um, it's amazing how, as you, as you are, like I said, helping your clients through different circumstances, you start seeing those same situations in your life as well and going, oh, that's why I have that client right now. <laughs> right, right. So you find that, so uh, do you, so, so the types of clients that you have, it's not just toxic relationships or do you find that that's where a lot of your clients do need help. Most of my clients need help with the toxic relationships, but sure. I also do coach with a coach on um, self-image mm-hmm. and um, it's all, we all, we're a whole package, right? And right. so there's a lot of, um, a lot of how we feel about ourselves and 
our um, our body image and how we take care of our, you know, our sleeping habits, our our um, exercise patterns. You know, it's all a package. So somebody might come with me thinking that they need to, you know, eat healthier, mm-hmm. and as we dig in deeper (laughs) and discover, you know, some deeper things, then sometimes it, it does come to, you know, the relationships and, and yeah. So most, but mostly it is, um, I, I do coach on relationships, love and relationships and toxic people. Okay. So, and when did you officially launch your business? So how long has it been in existence? So I've been life coaching for about two years. Okay, great. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, All right, here we go with the really broad question. What have you learned from your experience with emotional abuse? Hmm. That you're never done learning. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're right in the middle of it and you're in the trenches and it feels like you are going insane. Yeah. Um, and you kind of take a step back and go, how did I get here? Yeah. Why am I here? I can honestly say there is a reason. Mm-hmm. There is a reason you're there and identifying what led you there. Um, that's tough. Yeah. That is yeah. tough. Yeah, I get that. But once you finally let go of why you are there, the reason you are there and forgive yourself, you know, hey, I let myself down. Yeah. Wasn't listening to my gut. I, you know, kept ignoring my intuition. Yeah. When you finally wrap your head around that and realize there's a there's a reason I was here and this lesson I've learned I'm going to carry with me to the next experience and um just, you know, keep going forward. Yeah. Then I guess the biggest thing I've learned is (laughs) the very thing you're hiding is the very thing you need to share. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that intuition is telling you, your gut is telling you. It, that's the very thing that you need to share and 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 need to deal with. Sure. And I guess there's you've you've lined you've lined up for the lesson you're learning. Mm-hmm. You, you you know it's it's like it doesn't mean that you're. I guess you you're you're never at that perfect state where you've got it all together and have arrived. Yeah. And once you come to that state where you think you are, then life's going to smack you across the face. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Then it's just going to start all over again. Yeah, totally. I get that. And then, and then exactly. And so I guess the biggest lesson that I've learned is 
you know, your your intuition is there for a reason and you mm-hmm. need to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the reason you have such a pull and you feel like you're holding back and you feel like you're stuck where you are is because you're just not listening to yourself. Trust yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are there any specific signs or red flags of emotional abuse that you can, that you recommend people look out for? (laughs) That biggest red flag is that gut feeling that there's something wrong. Yes. (laughs) But okay. Um, red flags would be demeaning you. Mm -hmm cornering you and saying some pretty horrible things that they they wouldn't say in public Mm -hmm. or sometimes they do say in public but it's that oh I'm kidding right you know you can't take a joke what's wrong with you you're always so serious yeah yeah Um, I I told a story about that in an earlier episode where someone shared with me that their spouse was was doing that to them right exactly yeah um, another red flag would be um, uh, the where the constant control of what you're doing. Where have you been? Yep. Why yes. didn't you call me? Yes. Um, I text you two minutes ago. You haven't responded. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. are all controlling red flags that you definitely. Um, you, that's definitely not normal. No. Another thing that kind of your intuition will also um, key in on is like when your phone goes off and your stomach kind of buzzes or you kind of just get that shocking feeling, like yeah. you get that gut-wrenching feeling like, oh, is it them? Right. And sure. that fear kind of sets in. That's mm-hmm. a red flag. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. When you feel that way about the person who's supposed to be like the most important person to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, why do we need to talk about emotional abuse? Because it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot of, um, Oh gosh. It's something that a lot of people suffer in silence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it isn't talked about a lot because we do suffer in silence. We just come off as being, oh, you're so super sensitive and Mm -hmm. you take things too seriously. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think that the more that we are transparent about that abuse and being open about how we're being treated and how we're being talked to, I think we discover that a lot of other people are being treated the same way by the same people. Exactly. And that's certainly what I'm discovering uh, through this podcast because I spent years very, very alone with my, with my experience, because it was exactly what you were saying. Um, 
it was, uh, the reaction was, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You can deal with it. It could be so much worse. And I felt like I was crazy for a really long time. And it was only in recent years that I was made to feel outside of a therapy session, always in therapy, I was assured, like, you are not crazy the way you feel. You're, you are not being treated um, in a healthy manner. And it was only in recent years that I was able to accept and find that there were so many other people experiencing this kind of emotional abuse. And that's why I said, well, I need to do something about that and share people's stories. So, right. yeah. Um, and I think the personalities, yeah. um, the type of people that do get emotionally abused are usually pretty quiet. <laughs> It's, it, they are pretty quiet. They are pretty withdrawn and introverted. And so yeah. it's really hard for them to share because yeah, it, it's just not in them usually to, to be outspoken and, mm-hmm. and share that, but that's where a lot of healing happens. Yeah. It's interesting that you said that because I, I am not a quiet person and I was not a quiet person when my abuse happened in the workplace, but um, but I was in the minority. It was able to happen because my workplace was a boys' club, and the women were certainly treated as second class citizens. So I think that that's probably why it was able to happen to me. Um, so, on that note, uh, I would love to just give you an opportunity right now to. Uh, tell people how they can get in touch with you if they want to learn more about your life coaching uh, business. Okay. So I have a website and it's Mm -hmm. Life Coach Discover. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also find me on Facebook under Mm -hmm. Discover Life Coaching. Mm -hmm. Or um, I I do have, uh, I think those are probably the easiest two to Life Coach Discover dot com or just okay. discover life coaching on Facebook. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, wonderful. And um, I just want to thank you so much for talking to me today. This has been really wonderful. It's been great to get to know you. And I can't thank you enough for opening up to me and sh- and for sharing your story. Um, yeah. I just feel that the more people who share these kinds of stories, um, the less taboo uh, emotional abuse will be. At least that's my hope. Yeah. Well, thank you for having a podcast <laughs> for people to listen to. And so we can yeah. all relate and connect. Thank you once again for listening to my conversation with Betty Jo Greenlee on Emotional Abuse is Real. And thank you, Betty Jo, for sharing your story with me. If you would like to contact Betty Jo directly regarding her life coaching work, I've left her website and Facebook information in the show notes. Also, if you would like to share your emotional abuse story here on the podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out at hello at sereneleads.com. That's H-E-L-L-O at S-A-R-E-N-E. L-E-E-D-S dot com 
or through Instagram at Serene Leads Rights. That's S-A-R-E-N-E-L-E-E-D-S-W-R-I-T-E-S. Please note that this podcast should not be used as a substitute for professional mental health services. If you are a victim of emotional abuse and need help, please call or text the Suicide and Crisis Hotline at 988. Or you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. You can also text START, that's S-T-A-R-T, to 88788. Thanks so much for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.